0: Um, it is so good to be with you, and thank you for joining us. Boy, this is what I, I looked outside this morning, and you know, I actually yesterday I was looking outside, watching my wife shovel the uh, the driveway, and and no, actually she was watching me, and uh, and I thought, wow, this is really, and and the, some of the side streets are still kind of a little bit rough, but thank you for joining us on really not not such a nice day, but that's this time of year, and we thank God for the precipitation. But this morning, I'm so grateful that you are here. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to take those Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. Gospel of Mark chapter 12. We've been in this for some weeks, actually some months now. And um, last week, Pastor Ben continued on preaching um, this this focus on the, the Gospel of Mark, a closer look at the life and teachings of Jesus. It's it's we're we're shining a spotlight, a magnifying glass, if you will, on different portions of the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark for about another five or six weeks, and uh, we're going to be finishing up the Gospel of Mark. But this is a this is a, a significant moment. Um, what we're going to be uh, reading today is what we're about to read actually happened on a Tuesday. What we're going to read happened on a Tuesday, which m- you may think. Who cares? What what does that really matter? Why is it significant what day of the week that what we're about to read happened upon? Why is that significant? Well, because we are three days, looking at the text, we are three days into the most extraordinary week in human history. That is not an understatement or an overstatement. It was the most, absolutely most significant week in the history of mankind. 3 days into it 2 days earlier just 2 days before what we're going to read today 2 days earlier on a Sunday the bible records that Jesus entered Jerusalem with crowds of people applauding we sometimes refer to that as as palm sunday or or his arrival into his arrival into Jerusalem on this most magnificent of weeks so that was on a Sunday on the next day on Monday Jesus cursed a fig tree that had no fruit, and then later in that day, he chased out of the temple people who were misusing it. Listen, any day that you can curse a fig tree and clear a temple, that's quite a day. That was Monday. That was Monday. Now, Tuesday, earlier on this Tuesday, Earlier on this day that we're going to read about in a moment, earlier on this Tuesday, some religious people, very learned and religious people, had asked Jesus about paying taxes, which is a rather non-religious subject. And then some other religious people came to Jesus and asked him about marriage in heaven, And that's really a question. The question that they were asking, they had an agenda with all of these questions. But really, a marriage in heaven, that was really a question that in the whole scheme of things, in the whole big picture of what is happening with Jesus and the disciples this week, really isn't that important of a question. But again, the people who were asking it had an agenda. Every time, by the way, every time someone asked a question, Every time, you will find in this whole narrative of this last week, every time that someone came to Jesus with a question, his answers, Jesus' answers, amazed some and angered others. Every time. Some people, when when he would give the response, people would go, that's amazing. And other people would go, we need to take him out. In fact... Well, Jesus would would give these, by the way, later on in this week, this is a Tuesday that we're going to read, later on in this week, in this incomparable week, on Thursday, Jesus would be arrested, on Friday, he would be crucified, and on Sunday, just five days after this, on Sunday, Jesus would be resurrected. Do you understand why this is the most extraordinary week in all of human history? And this is the Tuesday. This is the Tuesday before that Thursday arrest. This is the Tuesday before that Friday crucifixion. This is the Tuesday before that Sunday resurrection. You see, the cross, we have one here. Um, uh, That's very important that we have one here. The cross... And the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection beyond that, and the victory that the cross and the resurrection would bring were always Jesus' objectives. Let me just pull back from the text for a moment. In the big picture, in the big scheme of things, Jesus was not so much concerned about, is there marriage in heaven? Or what do we do with our taxes? Jesus was looking at the big picture. He knew, he'd been looking to, for a lot longer than the previous Sunday, he'd been looking to that cross, and his resurrection beyond it, and the victory that it would provide, he had been looking at that for a very, very, very long time. Jesus always saw the big picture, even if others did not, and usually others did not. Here in chapter 12, verse 28, another religious leader, he was an expert in, in Jewish law, came to Jesus, and this is the question that he asked. He said this, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? That was the question. Of all of the commandments, they're referring to what we would call the Ten Commandments, the the, the Jewish law, the Mosaic law. And this man was an expert in it. He knew everything about the law that could be known, at least from their, their religious standpoint. He said, of all of the commandments, which one is the most important? Now, We're going to pause here for a moment before we read on. I I want you to understand that Matthew's gospel of this same occasion, Matthew's gospel says this man was actually testing Jesus. He was testing Jesus. Uh, The man had come, and these others, when they came with these questions, they were trying to trap Jesus, or I think the word is incriminate Jesus, with the words that he would say in response to their questions. So, so they're asking these, trying to find something with which they could incriminate him, and the reason that they were doing that is specified just one chapter earlier in Mark chapter eleven, it, uh, verse eighteen. It says the religious leaders were quote looking for a way to kill Jesus because they feared him. That statement comes after Jesus cleared the temple. Pastor Ben preached about this that, this last week. After Jesus cleared the temple, people were so angered. They'd been actually angry for some time. Some of the people had been angry for some time. But they were so angry that they began looking for a way to kill him. Not, not necessarily with their own hands, but to find something that they could pin on him and therefore have him crucified, have him perhaps even stoned which would be their methodology more than the the Roman methodology of, uh, of crucifixion. They were looking for a way to kill Jesus, it says, because they feared him. Now, please understand, they did not fear Jesus because of his divine power. They did not fear Jesus because he had the authority to call down a bunch of angels and wipe out groups of people. That's not why they feared him. They feared him because of the power that he represented or the power that, the power that he had that threatened their own power. You see, you have to understand that, that these Jewish people, um, really the main objective that they had was not so much to be the spiritual leadership, to help people, to minister to people, but really it was to consolidate power to gather influence, and then to retain that power, to retain that influence. That's really what they were about. And suddenly, Jesus comes on the scene. Actually, he'd been on the scene for a couple of years at this point. And, but Jesus is saying things, and he is doing things, and he's shaking things up, and he's asking all kinds of questions that are really unsettling these people, and their, their, their power base is threatened. And so recognizing this they want to kill him. They 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 are intent on taking Jesus out. And so they come to Jesus and they ask these questions. And by asking this question of all the commandments which is the most important, they they would we surmise they were trying to have him mention one or two And then they would be able to come back in a court of law, a kangaroo court of law, and say, you know, Jesus dismissed all of these others and points to only one. This was probably their intent to incriminate him. Here's the thing. What Jesus said next could never be used to incriminate him. This, this is what's so masterful. What Jesus said next could never be used to incriminate him. Because in verses 29 and 30, Jesus began his reply with, with a part of what is and what was called the Shema. Uh, you won't find that word in Scripture, but the Shema was a prayer. A prayer. Jesus said this, verse 29, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. It's brief. Let me read it again. Jesus prayed this, or Jesus said this prayer. It was actually a prayer. Jesus said this in response to the question, Jesus said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, this Shema that I mentioned a moment ago, S-H-E-M-A, this Shema, um, you see it there before you, this was actually something that Jesus had memorized. Jesus didn't have to go in response, "Um, you know what, let me... And he pulls out his pocket scroll and opens it up and he goes, Oh yeah, this is what it said. He already had this memorized. And here's the thing. Actually, everybody there in the room, everybody there present in in this whole situation, every I promise you, everyone there in those moments would have been able to recite this with their eyes closed. They, would, they, they, they had all memorized it because it was part of the Shema. Everyone there had memorized it because for about 14 centuries, since Moses' time, for about 14 centuries, every morning and every night, devout Jewish people would recite this very same prayer. I mean, that's how familiar it was. So every morning and every night for every year that all of these people had lived, in the beginning of the day, they would recite this prayer. And at the end of the day, near sundown, they would recite this same prayer, the Shema. In fact, j- devout Jewish people today still recite this part of the Shema. Very familiar to these people. And this is, Jesus, this is the part of Jesus' response. Here's the thing. The danger, and maybe you've noticed this, the danger of memorized prayers... You ever do this? The danger of memorized prayers is that people who know them can say them without thinking. Please help me out for a moment here. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer really without thinking about it? Anyone? Okay. You pray a prayer. I mean, the, the, you sit down to a meal and, and, and you pray a prayer that maybe you've prayed a, a lot of times and then you get halfway through and somebody says, did we pray? And you go, oh, I'm not really sure because you kind of pray. That. Has that ever happened to you? I, I heard it happened to someone once a long time ago. We pray those prayers kind of like turning on a switch. You know, do you know that in your home, um, there are certain, especially if you've lived there a long time, if you walk into a room, you, you never look at the light switch. You always know where it is. How many know what I'm talking about? You just walk into a room and you reach over. No one, if you've been in this house for a long time, no one ever stops, looks at the switch, reaches over, and turns it on. You just reach over and flip it on. Just boom, right there. You don't look at it. That's kind of how it is with some of our prayers. Some of our prayers, we just, we just go right into automatic mode and we pray them. And that's probably, I mean, if you, if you pray a prayer every morning and every night for all of your life, I promise you that there were many, many times when these people would just pray without thinking about it. They're thinking about any number of things, but because they've said it so many times, they just go into that rote recitation. That's the danger of memorized prayers and and the greater danger of memorized prayers is that we can then overlook the purpose of the prayer see that's the greater danger we overlook the purpose of the prayer what is it really saying we're so familiar with it but what does it really mean wouldn't it be interesting to see how jesus prayed that prayer see jesus was a devout jew he was the fulfillment of the law but he still he still did many of of course the the things that devout Jews did. Jesus, for much of his life, I'm sure, would start along with others, he would recite the Shema. But wouldn't it be interesting to see Jesus how he would pray that prayer? Imagine Jesus praying this prayer Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He knew God. In fact, another place in Scripture he says, The Father and I are one. And then he would pray, "Love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart." What, what went through Jesus' mind when he, all of your soul, and all of your mind and all of your strength. I would love to see Jesus as he would pray this prayer. Well, the thing is, we don't know how Jesus prayed it. We don't know. uh, We don't have a recording. We have the words here, but we don't know exactly the inflection of his voice, how he prayed it uh, when it's recorded here in verse 29 and 30. But Jesus recites this in response to this person's questions. Here's here's what we do know. We do know that five times the word your is used. Do you you see that there? It's, It's all on the screen behind me. Five times the word your is used. Your God. Your heart your soul, your mind, your, your strength. The word your is very interesting because it it implies a, a, a personal thing. Your God. Not the God. Not our God, that's collective, but your God. Not our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, but your. It's, it's, it's speaking about something very, very, very personal. And, and, and you know, I I've been a long time familiar with the the Shema. It's actually from Deuteronomy chapter 6. They've been praying it for a very long time. It's mentioned a number of places in Scripture. But there's this very personal word, five times the word your. I love the word your, especially in re- reference to God because it means that we have a personal relationship with Him. Do you realize that so much of our world, the understanding the idea of a personal relationship with the living God is so far from their imagination in part because no one ever told them. We live in a world in which God is an idea to many people and even a belief of many people but that we can, that He can be my God, that He can be your God, that that He can have my heart and your heart and soul and mind and strength. The, 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 The concept is so foreign to so many people. I've had occasion, some of you have as well, to be in some really magnificent places Um. Churches, uh, cathedrals, and, and I and I love going into some of those because you you see some wonderful and amazing architecture and some amazing art. But oftentimes I come away from them while I'm impressed. I'm very impressed by the the beauty of it, the aesthetic beauty of it. Uh, it there's a certain coldness to it. It's as if God and the understanding of God is something to be observed. more than to be experienced. But Jesus said, he's your God. And he speaks about your heart and soul and mind and strength. There's There's also another word that is used not five times, but four times. And that is the word all. The word all is used, and again, you see it there in the scripture behind me, the word all is used four times. The word all means everything. Do you know what the word all in the the original language, the Hebrew, means? It means all. It means everything. It means nothing held back. If you say I'm all in, then you mean everything in you is in. All means absolutely nothing held back. Jesus said, in this magnificent response on this Tuesday of this most remarkable of weeks, Jesus, in response to this question, which of the commandments is the most important, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know what? Our heart refers to the inner person, not the externals, not the things that I say, not even necessarily the things that I do, but it refers to the part in me that you can't see. Now, you can't see my physical heart. That's a very good thing. You can't see, but when, when we talk about heart in Scripture, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily talking about the organ. It's talking about the inner person. And This is where it starts. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart heart. This is where it begins. It begins where no one can see. It's not the externals, not with the actions, not with the words, but with my passions. That's another word that can be used here. With my desires, excuse me, with my will, and with my affections, my heart. That's why half-hearted worship really isn't worship at all. And so in this very familiar in this very familiar, to Jewish people, particularly prayer, I want you just to ask a question. Are you serving God? Are you serving Christ with all of your heart? The the part where no one can see. Have you given him your heart? Jesus went on, he said, love God with all your soul. That's the deepest part of me. That's my core. That's my entire being. And really, when you think about it, it's almost as if Jesus could have stopped right here. You talk about your inner person and, and your soul just talks about who you are, all of your being. It's a little bit more of a nebulous term because we, how do we get our hands on that? You know, what, is, what does soul mean? Well, it's actually the eternal part of me. Someday, all of us, our bodies will be left behind. This body is not going to last forever. We can take care of it, should take care of it, but it's not going to last. But there is an eternal part of me, there's an eternal part of you, there's an eternal part of every person. This is talking about this, and Jesus said, serve God, love God with all your soul. The deepest part of me It has the the eternal part of you we'll get to the mind here in a moment. We can all understand God and we can can understand some things about God. We can't fully understand him, but we can understand some things about him, but that's really not giving him ourselves. The eternal part of you, is is that held by him? Have you given all of your heart and all of your soul to him? Jesus said that we are to love God our God with all of our mind, this, this, this refers to, to our intellect. This re- refers to n- not just the organ, but the processes, the way that I interact, my mind. We are to love him with our minds. Now, this is sometimes where we as evangelical Christians, sometimes we just, it's all about the heart and it's, you know, my mind. But but our minds, we are to love him with our minds. Let me address a persistent myth. There is a persistent myth that is out there. It's actually been around for a very long time. And that, that persistent myth is that persons who love and serve Jesus Christ are somehow lacking in intelligence. And if you start looking for this, you will see it a great deal, that, that persons who have faith in Christ, persons who love the Lord, who express, who express their love for the Lord, are somehow lacking in intelligence. You've perhaps heard that. I read this last week. I read how uh, was tracking the news one day and and I read how some talk show host, I don't remember her name, it's not that important, but how some talk show host recently implied that persons who speak to God are somehow mentally unhinged and that if God speaks to if if you speak to God and then God speaks to you that there's something cognitively wrong. That's that's the same kind of persistent myth That if we are people who trust in God, people who love God, people who speak to God, that there's something wrong with our minds. But here Jesus is saying, you are to love God with your minds. Here's the thing, though that myth is rather persistent, the the, the pages of history are replete with, with persons who loved God with their hearts and with their minds did a little research and I, I just went through and, and, and wrote down a few names of, of, of well-known people throughout history who were deeply committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and yet who are known not, not so much for their faith in Christ, although they had deep faith in Christ, but they're remembered for their great minds. People like scientists like, like Newton and Kepler and Louis Pasteur and, and, and George Washington Carver this is a man in the 20th century, and we're not talking people four or five hundred years, just a hundred years ago, George Washington Carver, one of the greatest minds of the 20th century, had a deep faith in Jesus Christ. People like Werner von Braun, <clears throat> the, 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 the father of the Saturn V rocket that took men to and from the moon, this is a brilliant mind, had deep faith in Jesus Christ. No one would say that those people are somehow disjointed or unhinged in their minds. These are brilliant people. Or how about writers like, like Tolkien and, and writers like Chesterton and Milton and Dostoevsky? These are people that are known for remarkable literature, but, but they, they were people whose hearts and minds were surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. People have the gall to say that that, that you can't have faith in Jesus Christ and still have a sound mind. And I say to the contrary, that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have one of the soundest of minds. How about musicians like Handel and, and Bach, to name just a few people throughout history who are known for their remarkable minds, but who also had deep faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, I would go so far as to say one of the reasons that they had such remarkable minds is because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, you're going, dude, I will never write like Dostoevsky and I will never write music like Handel. And you're probably right about that. But how, the rest of us, we're just kind of going, Lord, I need help with my mind today. I don't have to write the next great novel in the world, and I don't have to have, be the next person to do some great discovery. I just need you to, to keep my mind together when all the things in this world are coming at me. How many know what I'm talking about? Here's the thing. We are to love God with our minds. They're, they're not separate things. Jesus can heal our minds, and I speak of one whose mind has been healed. Jesus can clear our minds. I was talking to a friend of mine some years ago, and he was was relating to me his testimony of how he came to Christ, and he said, man, he said, for for so long, it was like I was in a fog, and he said, my mind, when I came to Jesus Christ, I know, I felt something deep within me, and I know that he had forgiven my sins, but he said, for the first time in my life, my mind was (laughs) clear. That's what happens when we love Him with our minds. When we, and Jesus said this. They had been praying this prayer: "We are to love our God, the Lord our God, with all of our minds. He can protect our minds. There, there are there are many here." And, you, you, you frequently feel a, an attack coming at you, and the enemy wants to defeat us. And by the way, the enemy, I related in Sunday school this morning that I've never had a demon jump on me. I've never felt a demon punch me in the arm or in the body. I've never felt that. But I'll tell you what, I've, I've had demonic attacks on my mind, and yet my God is greater. Why? Because I love him with my mind. Jesus can protect our minds. He cares about our minds. He said so right here. Jesus said, love God with all of your strength. These are our physical efforts. Not the inner person, but now the outer person. The inner person is the heart. That's where it starts. But now he's saying the strength, this is the outer person. It means our love for God is not simply, is not simply a matter of words or traditions or private prayers, but rather it's loving him and serving him with our actions, with the things that we do. It means to, uh, one, one uh, commentary mentioned that it was to love him with everything at our disposal. So therefore, things like my time, and my abilities, and my money, and my possessions, and my family, and my body, God, everything that I have at my disposal, there's a lot of things I have no control over, but there are some things that I have some a bit of control over, and all of these things, my time, abilities, money, possessions, family, body, and so many other things, whatever I have, it's at your disposal. So when Jesus said this prayer, when Jesus gave this response, when we pray this prayer that we are to love our God with our strength, it means, God, whatever I have, I want to love you with it. So you want my time? You got it. You want my abilities, limited as they may be? Fine. You you, you want my body? Here it is. You you want my family? You you want to do something with them and I need to release them? Then, Then so be it. I release them to you. That's a hard prayer to pray, but when we say, Lord, I want to love you with my strength, it means everything that I have, it's at your disposal. By the way, everything that you have that is currently at your disposal is only yours for a time. One day you will give it all back to him who owns it anyway. Jesus said all of it. Four times he used the word all. He didn't say some. He didn't leave the word out. He said all of it, everything. So please do not try to love God with portions of your life. I will love him at certain times. No, it doesn't work that way. I will love him with certain areas. No, it doesn't work that way. I am called to love God with everything in me. There's nothing left out after all of this has gone through. Don't serve Christ with just departments of your life. Give him your all and you won't be sorry. I promise you, you won't be sorry that you gave him your all. This last week, many of you were aware, again, in the news a great man and I don't I don't throw that term out loosely but a great man named Billy Graham passed away this last week Graham said this and I want to give this quote he said I have never known anyone to accept Christ's redemption and later regret it isn't that good and it's true, it's not probably original with him, but he said it. I have never known anyone to accept Christ's redemption and later regret it. I'm gonna put a spin on that. I have never known anyone who has ever given their all to Jesus and then at, their, at the end of their day said, you know, I just wish I wouldn't have given so much. I've never known anyone who, who looked back on their life and said, you know, boy, I gave them my all and I just kind of wish I, I would have held you know, this area back. I have known many who at the end of their days say, I wish I would have given him my all earlier. I've known many who have said that. I've prayed with many. I've prayed with many who with tears weeping down their face or running down their face, actually the sides of their face because they're laying in a bed and it doesn't run down this way, it runs down this way. And who who with with tears in their eyes running down their face are, are, are saying, I wish I would have given him my all later or earlier rather than later. But you will never, I promise you, you will never regret giving him your all. So this morning, just a real simple question that I have, is your all in? Are you all in? Are you all in? Or you just say, you know, I'm, just, I'm all in from 1030 to noon on Sunday mornings. Or I'll give him my all on Sundays. I'll give him an all certain times, but, but you know, certain other things, I just, you know, I'll give him my time if it's convenient. I'll 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 give of my resources if I can afford it and if I got a little bit extra at the end. uh, I'll, I'll give of my abilities such as they are, but only if it's comfortable for me. Or have you given him your all? I promise you that if you give him your all, you will never, ever, ever regret it. And by the way, I have to say this. There have been so many times in our lives, my life, your life, when we look back and we go, I didn't give my all, but I know that this is my prayer. Oh, God, let me give you my all. And sometimes because we're living sacrifices, sometimes we, uh, we put ourselves on the altar, we put it all on and then we crawl off. How many know what I'm talking about? I pull it back. whoa, just, just before the fire gets it, I pull it back. And I find myself and then putting it back on. No Lord, all, everything. Everything. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my preferences. It's not about my pleasures. It's not about, it's not about my time. It's not about what I can acquire. It's not about what I can accomplish. It's all about you. So therefore, I again, I've given it before. I've pulled it back, but I'm giving you again. All. Oh, all. Oh. Here's the thing. <laughs> back in Mark chapter 12, Jesus wasn't done. Because after declaring the Shema, after declaring the Shema in verse 31, he continued and he said this, the second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself, there is no commandment greater than these. You'll notice there the words love your neighbor as yourself are in quotations in your Bible. They also therefore were a quote. It, too, would have been a familiar quote to perhaps many of the people that were there, but certainly it was familiar to this expert in the law, the person who asked the question. He would have recognized it. It's from Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Love your neighbor. It's a direct quote. Love your neighbor as yourself. Draw your attention to your right. The cross on the wall, it it has been um, wisely pointed out before, certainly not original with me, it has been pointed out before that the cross of Christ has two beams. One beam is vertical, indicates the love between God and man. You see the the vertical beam there. And I I often will refer to this, how, how that vertical relationship, my relationship with God, my relationship with God, And then there's the horizontal beam. It indicates the love that we are to have for each other. So I have this relationship, which is the most important relationship. But because this relationship, this vertical relationship is intact, and because it's growing, and because I'm all in, because he's changed my life and continues to change my life, and he keeps changing my life because it still needs to be changed Because I have this relationship, then my relationship with other people is also affected, the the horizontal relationship. It's not one or the other, it's both. Now, I addressed a myth earlier. I addressed a myth earlier that our mind is somehow divorced from our faith in Jesus Christ. But there's another myth that very briefly I want to address that says our faith is something private, that it is something to be kept under wraps, that it is something to never be discussed and never seen. That, too, is a persistent myth. That's actually not only a myth, it's a diabolical lie. Because our faith in Jesus Christ is to be lived out in the world around me. It is to be demonstrated to other people. It's just it's not simply the vertical relationship with that I have with him and, and only he knows about it but it is to be lived out to the people horizontally the people around me listen when we are asked listen to me if we are asked the next time that you are asked if you are a follower of Jesus Christ we must do more we must do more than simply give them a date and a location of our conversion Someone says, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do not simply leave it with, yes, in 1972, in such and such a place, I gave my heart to him. We must move beyond simply a date and a location. We must do far more than simply tell them the name of our congregation or the name of our denomination. We should be able in that moment when someone asks us, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a Christian, we must and should be able and willing to point to a tangible and to a demonstrable love for the people around us, some of whom, by the way, are not very lovable and who may never love us back. Instead of giving a date and a time and a place in which we came to Jesus, instead of simply saying, yes, I'm a Christian and I attend such and such a church, I'm a part of such and such a denomination… Instead of doing that, may we be able to point to the world around us and say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and here's one of the evidences of that. Not to lift ourselves up, but to to love others as we love ourselves, that this is what God is calling us to do. You see, again, I, I said that sometimes when we love other people, they're not very lovable, and they never return it back to us. But you have to understand the Greek word for love, there are are about four different words that are used for the Greek word for love. This is the agape variety. This is the one where we give without expecting anything back. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. It doesn't mean we are to love them as in equal measure to the way that they love us. It does not mean that we are to care for other people and then we stop caring when they throw it back in our face. It does not mean that we love other people when it's convenient for us or it feels good to me. It means that we love. It means that we love. It means that we love. And our neighbor isn't the person that lives to the northeast, south, or west of us. It's whoever I come into contact with. And that's hard. You think loving God with everything in you is hard? Try loving other people as yourself. It's hard. I know it's hard. Jesus said these, these two commandments capture the purpose and the essence of the entire law. And that if we live these commandments out, then loving God with all of our being and loving others as ourselves, that we essentially fulfill the entire law. Jesus' answer to that man that day, Jesus' answer to the man that day was so simple and yet so profound that in verse 4 it says this, excuse me, verse 34 it says this, from then on no one dared ask him any more questions. I love it. <laughs> I mean, his, his response is so amazing, so astounding, so, I don't even know what to say to that kind of a response that he just said, all right guys, no more questions, making us look like a fool. No one dared ask him any more questions. As a preacher or a communicator of God's Word, one of my greatest challenges with every message that I preach, one of my greatest challenges with every message that I preach is to teach what God's Word says. And by the way, if I don't teach what God's Word says, then you get rid of me and you get someone else because I have nothing else to say. It has to be God's Word. That's the only thing that can change us. It's God speaking to us as we study His Word. One of my greatest challenges with every message is to teach what God's Word says, to communicate what it meant, to relate what it means to us, and then to show us how we are to live it out. So here's the thing. If I study very hard, and I prepare very diligently, and more importantly, if I allow the Holy Spirit to do what no amount of my work could ever do, then my part is done. Here's the thing. If we leave this place this morning, And we only say, oh, that was really a nice message. And then we fail to apply it, or we fail to live it out, or we fail to say, Lord, make this happen in me. Then both my time and your time has been wasted. I'm actually going to relieve some of you of some some things, perhaps. I I hope this doesn't happen, but I'm going to say it. If you're simply coming to check a box... And say I did the church thing this week and feel good about yourself, but never, never be simply a, only be a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. To borrow a line from the book of James, then I'm going to release release you. Just don't. You still come. You can still come. You can maybe get something along the way. But if if we don't live it outside this place, then really it's a waste of our time. It really is. But, but, if we leave this place, if we in a personal relationship with him, remember, your God, your, not not our God, your God, if we in a personal relationship, if we have been personally transformed by the living God, if through the presence of his Holy Spirit within us, as he comes into us, as we open our hearts to him and say, Lord Jesus, come and be In my life, forgive my sins, be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. And today I surrender my life to you. If we pray that very simple prayer and we truly mean it, then we enter into a personal relationship with him. And in that personal relationship, if we leave this place having prayed for him, if we leave this place having prayed for him to accomplish this seemingly impossible thing that is before us this morning, if I ask him, if you ask him to help us to live this out, to change us, then my friend, that is a great day. That is a great day. You didn't just hear a nice sermon and go, oh, that was really nice, and then we go to the restaurant or to your home someplace else. It's more than just a, a good message. If we, if we, if we assimilate it, if we, if we live it, if we simply make the prayer, oh God, help me with this, then it's not only just another day, it's a great day, more than great. It's a day of eternal change. I'm going to ask the worship team if they will come. We're going to sing a song that we sang earlier as they're coming. I would like everyone, if you would, to stand, if you would, this morning, because we have come to that very important place in this service where I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray as well. And, and this, this, is, this is a hard message to preach because it's like, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and str- all of it. And then love your neighbors. We're quick to look at how we've fallen so short of that. But I come back to say, he didn't say it just to take up space, he didn't say it to not be recorded. It's recorded, it's here for a purpose. So that we will pray, oh Lord. Help me live this. Help me give you my all. Not just some, all. No more. Some of you have just been given some. Some of you have just been given some. You think, I, I've given enough, it's enough. I'm going to hold the rest back. I'm not really sure. I'm not all in yet. Give Him your all. We're going to pray. We're also going to pray, Lord, this, this part about loving others. That is so hard. There's some people I just in my life just are not very lovable. You know, I, I I got I, I got people like that too. In fact, it, may, it might even be the same person. I don't know. But Jesus helps me. He can help you. I'm going to lead you in prayer, and uh, when I'm done praying, consider yourselves dismissed. But the worship team is going to. Lead us. They'll lead us for a while. You can leave at any point during that. Again, you can leave right away. We're not holding back. We're not barring the doors. But I would like you to agree with me in prayer in these moments as we close to agree in prayer. Lord, I'm all in. Lord, help me to love. Help me to both the vertical relationship, love you with everything, and the horizontal relationship, love others as love myself. Some may need to pray, Lord, I don't love myself very much, but I know that you can help me. That's a whole different message. We're going to sing deeper here in a moment. It talks about how we want to go deeper with the Lord. So I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. Join us tonight at six o'clock for prayer. But as I pray this prayer, would you agree with me? In your own heart, you, you can even just very quietly pray to yourself if you want to hear your own voice. But would you in these moments just, again, may have been a long time ago when you did it for the first time, but in these moments, surrender again. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you for speaking to us through your word. And having spoken to us, Lord, now we are want to be obedient in our response. So Jesus in response to a a question that was meant to incriminate you, you brought a truth that we speak of today. Lord, this we pray. Regardless of our past, regardless of how many times we've failed, help us today and the days following to love you with everything in us. To love you with all of our heart. Help me, Lord, to love you with all of my heart, everything in me. Jesus, help me to love you with all of my soul, my entire being, the thing that makes me me. Help me to love you with that eternal part of me, all of me, Lord, all of my soul. Help me to love you with all of my mind, Thank you for the mind that you've given me. I pray that, Jesus, this mind would be protected and defended and healed and that I would love you with my mind. It's not divorced from my spirit. It's not divorced from my heart. Help me to love you with my mind. Help me to love you with my strength. Everything that I have at my disposal, all of my time, my resources, my body, my family, all of the things that I have a little bit of control over in this very limited amount of time before I die. Jesus, I pray that I would be all in. And then, Lord, I, we pray together. We pray this together. Lord, help us not just to listen to this prayer, but to actually pray it. Help us to love others in, in, because you, you first loved us, because you've transformed me, because that vertical relationship is, is there. Lord, help, help me to live it out in, in our world so that even to the point where other people can see it forgive me lord for the times for that others have seen me respond in the wrong way and i didn't really live you out in the world lord your grace is sufficient now we're moving forward help us lord to love others because you loved us lord this is our prayer help us to go deeper Help us to go deeper. You've spoken to us today through your word. Help us to go deeper. Help us to go deeper. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus.